Well, hi there, and welcome back to the Simplifying Super Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Masters. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Today, we welcome a very special guest. Joining me is AMP Capital's Head of Investment Strategy and Economics and Chief Economist, Dr. Shane Oliver. I'm sure many of our listeners are already familiar with Shane's work, but for those who'd like a refresher, Shane plays a key role in driving the asset allocation for AMP Capital's diversified investment funds and provides economic forecasts and analysis of key variables and issues impacting all asset markets. With that in mind, today we'll be discussing the economy and investment markets and what it all means for your superannuation. Now, of course, a reminder that any topics discussed today are general in nature, and it's important to seek personalized advice before making any financial decisions. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get into it. Dr. Shane Oliver, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Adam. Great to be here. Let's jump straight into things. I'm interested in what your outlook is for the Australian economy and what are the big drivers for the months ahead? Well, to be honest with you, we're in pretty good shape in Australia. Nothing's perfect, but we've come through the coronavirus pandemic. And of course, it's not to say it's over yet, but uh, hopefully we've come through the worst of it in reasonably good shape. Australian institutions pulled together pretty well. Uh, The stimulus measures, the support measures provided by governments, I think were incredibly well targeted and timely. Uh, That combined with good virus control has set up a situation where the Australian economy has recovered more rapidly than most other countries around the world. We're one of the few countries which has economic activity above where it was prior to coronavirus. Um, And going forward, you've still got a lot of stimulus coming through. We've still got reopening occurring. Things are still entirely back to normal. Obviously, we're having these snap lockdowns uh, periodically. I think we've had six or seven of them now over the last uh, eight months. Uh, So that causes a lot of apprehension when they occur. But through that period, we've continued to grow pretty well. So I'm pretty optimistic about the next 12 months. We're we're seeing growth in Australia this year of around 5%. It will slow down next year. We can't, we're not an emerging country anymore. We can't grow at 5% forever. We will slow down probably to around 3.5%. But that will be enough, I think, to get the unemployment rate down below 5%. And it's all occurring in a backdrop of still very low interest rates. So bottom line is the outlook for the Australian economy looks pretty healthy. Okay, positive forecast there. Um, My next question is actually on investment markets. How do you see their outlook going? Well, investment markets benefit from economic recovery because that drives stronger profits. Now, of course, that can be taken to an extreme. If the economic recovery, if economic growth gets too strong, then things become so good that they're bad because then you start to see excesses in the economy building up too much debt, private sector debt, um, overheating, and inflation becomes an issue. Then the central bank has to slam the brakes on, the economy comes to a grinding halt and company profits collapse and the share market uh, goes down with it. At present, we're a long way away from that. Um, There are some inflation fears around the world. Inflation is perking up, and that's because of base effects from the low, very low deflation we had a year ago dropping out of the annual numbers. We've got reopening, we've got bottlenecks. These are all distortions caused by the pandemic and the associated lockdowns. But looking through that, the backdrop globally is still one of spare resources. Unemployment (coughs) higher than we would like it to be. Uh, That means wages growth is not going to take off anytime soon. So you've got this backdrop of improving economic growth, which is good for profits, but at the same time, interest rates at very low levels, all of which is a positive combination for growth assets. And I'm talking here about shares and property and infrastructure. Now, of course, for the other investments that people put their money into, cash, 
government bonds and so on, and they're down at the lower end, they're, they're relatively safe, but they're going to provide somewhat lower returns. But the broad environment for investment markets is a pretty positive one. Okay, now obviously this program is called Simplifying Super. Um, and I was kind of interested to bring it back to that for one second. I, I, I want to know, what is your typical investment mix when it comes to a super fund? Well, in the old days, uh, investors would tend to have something which looked a bit like this. You have growth assets, and by growth assets I mean shares, Australian shares, global shares, emerging markets, uh, property, uh, and often that refers to commercial property, office, retail, industrial, infrastructure assets, and increasingly in recent decades, I guess what you call private equity, um, where you own direct investments in startup companies and so on, often via funds. So they're growth assets, and then you've got these defensive assets, which are things like uh, government bonds and cash, and they're relatively safe. Risk of default is pretty low, risk of losing your money is pretty low, and they're relatively stable in terms of their value over time. Um, and then you'd have a mix of the two. And a typical superannuation fund would have something like a 60 to 70% exposure to the growth assets and a 30 to 40% exposure to the defensive assets. Now, of course, in recent times, we've seen what you call life cycle funds, which focus more on when you're younger, you have a greater exposure to the growth assets because they're the ones that are going to grow your wealth. And as you get closer to retirement, you have a greater exposure to defensive assets because they will help defend your wealth. Never as simple as that, but that's the theory behind it. Um, so th that's basically the way a super fund will work. Um, there's increasingly sophisticated versions of that, but the nuts and bolts are you've got this mix of growth assets and defensive assets, and your ideal exposure to those things depends to a large degree on your age and time to retirement, and also your level of wealth. Obviously, if you've got a lot of wealth and you're about to retire, then you can argue, well, you can still have more in growth assets, but that's sort of the mix. Um, that a typical super fund would have. Okay, that makes sense. Um, what is your outlook then for these various asset classes? Well, let's start at the simplest end, cash. Uh, the outlook there is very low returns. Whether you're talking about cash in the wholesale money markets, where the interest rates are down close to zero, uh, as set by the Reserve Bank of Australia, mm -hmm. and they keep telling us that interest rates are probably gonna stay around zero or 0.1% to be precise, at least out to 2024. Now I reckon higher interest rates could come a little bit earlier, but maybe not to 2023. So the next couple of years, very low interest rates in terms of returns on cash. Now that obviously affects uh, any money you've got in bank deposits. So if you've got a bank term deposit, you'll find the rate of interest there is averaging at present around 0.5% with the major banks. So it's hard to see uh, rates of return there going up much, but at least it's safe. If markets take a downturn, then that money is safe. You keep getting your, your rate of interest. But I love a quote, um, and one of my favourite ones that someone once said is that uh, no one ever became rich on bank deposits. So you've got to take on a bit of risk to grow your wealth. Obviously, the next step up is government bonds. Um, they tend to provide higher rates of interest, but obviously the value of that bond can move around a bit. Right now, the typical 10-year bond yield in Australia is around 1.8%. 1.7, 1.8%. If nothing happens over the next 10 years, that's the return you will get. You hold that bond for 10 years, you'll get 1.7, 1.8%. If bond yields rise, you can get a bit of a capital loss on that investment in the short term. And I think, if anything, that's probably what's going to happen here. Bond yields might go up a little bit, so you're going to get pretty low returns out of government bonds. Moving out again, 
Of course, you've got corporate debt, which is a mix of, I guess, exposure to companies, but also uh, government bonds. And it's, it provides okay returns, it usually comes with a somewhat high yield. And so if you're thinking, well, I'm getting 0.1% on my cash or 0.5% of bank deposit, government bonds currently around 1.8% thereabouts, could be a little bit less if bond yields rise. Go to corporate bonds, you'll get a little bit more again. But the real action is out there in shares. And shares, I think, this year are going to provide returns. Well, so far in 2021, we're already up more than 10%. And I reckon by the end of the year, that number will be higher again. Uh, for the simple reason, as the economies continue to recover around the world, that means rising profits, still low interest rates, money keeps coming to share markets, pushing the value of those shares higher. And then, of course, you have to add on the dividend yield you will get on top of that. So the Australian share market last year had a bit of a rough ride in the middle of the year, or particularly in March. With the pandemic, we've had a fantastic recovery since then. I think the rate of growth is slowing down, simply because the easy gains are behind us from the recovery. Um, but you're looking at returns, I'd say for this year, you're probably going to be up around 15% at least. Uh, and then, of course, you also have to allow within that the dividend yield you get paid, which is the flow of dividends, um, and you get franking credits on that, will probably take that return in excess of 15%. And if you sort of think about it, international shares, give or take, fairly similar return numbers. Uh, around that, emerging markets uh, shares should be a little bit stronger again because they're more risky and more levered to global growth. But that's, I, I guess, a broad range. Very low returns down there on cash, bank deposits, ranging up to higher returns on shares. One little thing I should caution, though, is that we have seen very strong gains already this year. We have gone through May. There is an old saying, sell in May, go away, come back on St Ledger's Day. St Ledger's Day is a... UK horse race sometime in September. I don't follow it particularly, but I'm told that's the case. So you know the old pattern. We have to get this rally into May. Then you go through a rougher patch in the middle of the year, particularly around August, September, October. And then, of course, you rally into the end of the year. So I'm not going to rule out here at all the risk that we might go through a bit of a correction in markets. But one thing I've found in my career is that it's very hard to time those corrections. And I'm not looking for a major bear market here, I'm saying markets could come down a bit, 5-10%, then they'll be off again and before you know it, um, you, you'll have missed out on the opportunity to buy back in. Um, so I think broad environment looks pretty positive, but you could go through a short-term correction. Just like many things in life, always prepare for the cyclical. Um, my next question for you, how does this investment mix change over time in a typical superannuation fund? And I ask that particularly with regards to risk. There's several ways that mix could change. Now, it might change in your fund simply because as you get older, if it's a fund um, like some of those offered by retail uh, superannuation providers like AMP, for example, um, as you get older, you get less exposure to the growth assets. But putting that aside, the fund manager does have discretion to alter the asset mix. If they've got a good handle on a potential downturn in markets, then they will wind back on the growth exposure, reduce the exposure to shares in favour of cash or maybe government bonds, because those defensive assets will protect the portfolio to some degree in the event of a downturn. If alternatively, it looks like there's an upswing coming, um, for example, coming out of the pandemic through last year, uh, fund managers will increase the allocation to the growth assets like shares, and they're the ones that will help boost the returns. You know, one of the reasons that super funds have had good returns over the last 12 months is because that high exposure to shares 
um, and many fund managers have actually increased their exposure to shares beyond what the uh, product disclosure statements would indicate via their benchmarks. Um, so that mix will change, but it won't change radically. Uh, fund managers don't tend to change such that you're going from 70% uh, shares or growth assets. They won't change that down to suddenly 10% shares of growth assets. They tend to be fairly modest incremental changes um, consistent with trying to manage the risk and also the risk of getting it wrong. <laughs> um, so they're not going to take extreme risks. For those already in retirement, what's your advice to them? What should they be aware of from an economic or a market perspective? Look, I, I think the first thing to be aware of when you're in retirement is, I mean, I, I think the very first thing is to make sure you get advice. So you're not taking on more risk um, in your asset exposure. And by risk, I mean exposure to growth assets that could lose their value if things go wrong globally or in Australia. Um, so that's the first thing, to make sure you've got an appropriate strategy for your stage in life. Um, and that could be a function of a whole bunch of things. You know, how much wealth you've got. Um, obviously, if you've got a whole pile of wealth, then you probably don't mind taking a bit more risk. But if you don't have a lot to play with, then you want to be a bit more cautious. And also your risk tolerance. Some people just don't like um, seeing the value of their portfolio go down or up. They don't like the volatility. Um, and again, that could point towards having a, um, a lower exposure to growth assets. So that's the first thing to be aware of. The second thing to be aware of, I, I guess, is that um, you know, there's several things you need to be worried about in retirement. One is um, yeah, having enough cash flow to fund your day-to-day -day living expenses. So you might want to have a decent exposure to investments that provide a decent income flow. And by income, I mean interest on bank deposits or uh, dividends being paid out of shares and of course the taxman might help you there with your franking credits which you get paid back to you. Therefore you may structure your portfolio when you're in retirement or close to retirement in a way that has a greater focus on income generation. Um, the other thing is to make sure that you've got enough. You know, there's always this risk that when you retire if you de-risk everything and put it in say in bank deposits and you're only earning 0.5% per annum then you and you're, and you're spending some of that money, that you may run out of money before, um, before you pass on, so to speak. So you want to make sure that you've also structured your portfolio uh, in a way that will last you through, or as far as possible, through your retirement phase in life. So there's a bunch of things to be aware of in that sense. I would, though, caution, don't get too hung up with the news around investment markets in retirement because those things come and go. You know, if I just think about the last 30 years, we've had multiple recessions, Asian crisis, tech wreck, um, GFC, and on the way there was a boom in the Australian mining sector, um, Eurozone crisis, uh, pandemic, and so on. So these things will keep popping up. You have to allow that when you go through retirement, that your portfolio is structured in a way that it can handle those sorts of things because it's guaranteed that if you've got a 20 year retirement, you're gonna have one of these events every three, five years or so. All right, some really interesting points there, Shane, but I've actually run out of time for this episode. So look, thanks once again for being here, Shane. It's been an absolute pleasure. And listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Now, the good news is we actually have more Shane Oliver on the way. In our next episode, I'll sit down with Shane once again to talk through his top five investment mantras. So I hope you can join us then. But before we leave you today, just a quick reminder that if you'd like further information, please visit amp.com.au forward slash super. 
And as ever, it's always important to consider getting expert advice before making any financial decisions.